Hey everyone, it's JJ and Jay. Welcome to A Date with Blisky. Alright guys, welcome back to another edition of A Date with Bristol. This is our fourth episode, isn't it? It is our fourth episode. Keep trying to go strong. <laughs> JJ and Jay, back in business. <laughs> As we do. So what is the restaurant of topic today? Ooh. I really have to think for this one. It's Sergio's, of course. It is Sergio's. It's our neighbouring Italian cuisine. That is just, is it just outside our front door. I'm telling you, we had a Shackleton experience trying to hike, <laughs> yeah. to, trying yeah. to, hike to Sergio's. We, 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 <laughs> we trekked many miles to get there. But no, I mean, it is... So for those who don't know, <laughs> we're, we are nestled uh, just under the bosom of, of Park Street, which is the main Bristol Road. Yes, it is. And we went over to Sergio's, which we pass every day. Because, you know, on our way to university or wherever we may go. We go past this little quaint Italian restaurant. I know you new mom. And we always say, <laughs> we always say, we need to go in there. Exactly. We should do an episode there. Because that looks like a genuine Italian joint. It's one of those things, just like, I will do it. And we find the back of your head. We finally did it. Exactly. And to start off, we went in. And we were right about it being a quaint Italian place. Because... Definitely. It was, you know, it was cool. It was candle lit. Yeah. Had that sort of, uh, you know, you know, all Italian places have that really nice tablecloth. Had that sort of thing going. Yeah. Um, and me and James will be honest. We probably got the two most basic meals that one could get at an, any Italian restaurant. Yeah. Or any restaurant, actually. It's not even much the imagination. We, um, got, we like to make you guys imagine, but... <laughs> <sighs> we got... We got effect. We got cheese on toast, yes, and spicy water. Nah, but like that hit different. <laughs> and by that we mean we got a margarita and a sprite each, and that was it. it that, the, the sprite had a, le a lemon in it. So it did have a lemon. It had a bit of spice. And we got we got some, we got some tap water as well. So that's so that's something. Um, but yeah, no, we got uh, we got two pizzas and we got a sprite. So wanted, not that, not that amazing. We kind of just wanted to do something basic, like scratch out all the thin linings or fat linings <coughs> of food cuisine and yeah. just go down to the basic margarita pizza. Margarita, yeah. That you can customize. Everyone customizes, but it's the base. It's the foundation, isn't it? It is. And what's the foundation? I mean... Well, tomato and bread, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Foundation of all great cuisine. I'm telling you. So I hear. But yeah, I mean, we'll be honest. We did have, we, we, we've we had mixed opinions about our experience at Sergio's. I mean, it, despite its convenience. Yeah. And its lovely decor. And pretty good service, actually. The, the way it was, was very lovely. We were one of the only two people in there. I think there was one other, one other party but he catered well he catered, he ca well, he catered to well to us which was nice um but as the pizza went i mean it wasn't nice it was like it was a, actually a genuinely nice sit down lunch exactly um, and it, uh it just felt like kind of unconventional that was under kind of a bridge i guess yeah like when you'd go in it was quite clandestine claustrophobic but at the same time you felt very at home 
Like, yeah. I wouldn't say like you felt like you were in Italy or something, but you yeah. felt like you were somewhere different to Bristol, if that makes sense. I get what you mean. Yeah. It was like, because the places we've been so far, so we've been to Rice and Things, which is in the heart of Stokescroft, of which is, you know, Bristol hotspot for great activity. Well, great clothes, great food. And a lot of clubs are there as well. If you want to trend, go there. Yeah, if you're if you're trending, <laughs> if you're trending, then then go to Stokes Croft. And then we went to the Athenian, yes. which is Whopping Wharf, which Jeez. is somewhat selections. Yeah, that's sort of like a touristy bit of Bristol because it's of near Harbour Side. They have a museum very close. Yeah, have a lot of stuff going down. Go but on. that whole that whole district is delicious. Not in terms of taste. I mean, the Athenian obviously tastes delicious. Delicious. But no, the air, the air, of course. No, the air, yeah. <laughs> Quality air. Um, it's not London air, but... <laughs> no, it's not quite, not quite that smoggy scent to exactly. it, you know? It's sad how I have to go to bed with a ventilator. <laughs> One of those machines that does that sort of, like, wary thing as you sleep. All my last limb in London. <laughs> and then our third app, which is St. Nicholas's Market, which was... Obviously, delayed epicenter of weekend activity on our Bristol on our Bristol Saturday. But Bristol City Market is lovely. I mean, maybe people from Stoke Bishop haven't gone to no, yeah, the far depths of other Bristol. But I would really, really recommend it. I, yeah, I think we are at a distinct advantage in terms of how easily we can access the whole city. Which may sound snobby, but it's not. It's just true. Like, we can we can go out our door and we'll be by, by the harbour. Or by a bus to get to Stoke Bishop. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the thing with a free bus pass exactly. in Percy. You can kind of go where you want. I mean, you kind of have to utilise it, don't you? Because we have from theatres to food shops mm. to uh, to film. Just to film theatres yeah, as well. Yeah, we like, haven't... We, there's too much to do. We haven't know? accessed that specific side of Bristol, though. That film side of Bristol. Well, the... Um, well, the dr- like drama, film, yeah. other entertainment, like that yeah. side of Bristol. Like, stand-up comedy. Like I've never been to a concert or, like, a performing act. Before. Yeah, I know. Like it's a comedy club. Yeah. Apparently, it's one of the most enjoyable experiences exactly. you can have. It's going out into the city, getting, like, a, not, like, really drunk, but just, you know, having a drink and watching some 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 people go up on stage and do some stand-up. Exactly. Um, I think it's one of those things where... With music studio, uh, with music tours and music uh, performances, if you see it on video, it's not as good as it. You see it live, maybe. Yeah. So I reckon if we were to go to a live act, it would performance, be. It would be amazing in our eyes. Yeah, Because definitely. obviously this time we're trying to be more. How can I say trying it? to trying adventurous. To do, <laughs> we're just trying to do uni. As best as possible. Complete it. Yeah, complete. You know, completed union. But yeah, no. I mean, I think that sort of that that like second term mindset of first year as being like, right, first term, I did this too much. I went out too much. But now I'm gonna like go to uni way more exactly. and like. I think it should be like a a level medium between social education and just resting 
<laughs> just you know? self care, right? You know, self care, bro. Me time, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I am a temple. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta look after the temple, and we've been doing that. I mean, we've been, we've been eating well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, new year, new us. You know, new decade, new us. Yeah, indeed. All right. One could say. But we digress from Sergio's. Obviously, we had two margarita pizzas, which were. They're okay. Very, they're, they're like very abruptly served, I'd say. Like it was very nice to have them as quick as they came, but uh, obviously yeah. there weren't very many people in there. And Sergio's do this thing where they close for two hours during the day, so they will open from twelve till two thirty, then close the next two or three hours, and then open again until eleven. Yeah. It's quite common with a restaurant, like like quite a fancy yeah. restaurant. Like and that. like uh, when I went to Spain last year, mm. when I went to Barcelona, most of the shops closed with the siesta time because yeah. normally they eat, you know, tenfold amount of food. Mm. And then the shops just close, they, you know, rejuvenate, have a little mini hibernation and then <laughs> back, and then back, in, back in business. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, like, like one thing we did uh, fail to mention is that Sergio's has a uh, lunchtime meal uh, meal deal, I'll call it. So you get nine, £9.75 and you get a two-course meal. Was it three-course? Two-course. Two-course. Two-course meal. So you get, uh, I think, one of the options, for example, is you can get mussels and then you can get uh, spaghetti bolognese. Yes, or you can get a soup or risotto, and risotto as well. There was many, so, so no pizza, but you had loads of, Pasta and other, other sort of Italian Mediterranean, Mediterranean sort, exactly. of, sort of stuff going on. I mean, like, when I read the menu for the two-set meal, um, I thought it was fairly compensated to everything beside pizza. So they had, yeah. they had risotto, they had different types of spaghetti, pasta, yeah. they had different types of white meats, they had uh, soups as well. The only thing they didn't have was pizza, but we fell into that. We fell into the trap though of being like, because you know, as soon as you enter an Italian restaurant, you're just like, fuck, I can really go for a pizza right now. Which is hard. It's hard to sort of suppress those like those urges, but it just happens. It just happens. Like you, you see like a pizza oven, you're like, oh, oh, really want a pizza now. Yeah. This the atmosphere as well is just quite Italian-y. I think <laughs> we should have gone in the evening because you know, you know whenever we passed it, yes, in the evening it's bustling. It's always really packed. So they have outdoor outdoor seating as well in the evening. Do they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Obviously, it blocks the pathway a bit, but it's quite nice. Does they, do they actually on that yeah, thin little? Oh, they what? they honestly do. They honestly do. No way. Okay. And. When I've been to France, south of France specifically, a, lo- a load of restaurants have outdoor seating and it kind of just brings you back to that kind of feel of just, yeah. I can wear a shirt outside and not be cold, you know? Yeah. Like, I can be eating and not having to shiver or have goosebumps or yeah. anything. Because there are those sort of certain cuisines yeah. which you associate with with holiday, for example, like Spanish or Italian or I don't know, I don't really get French food, but like you associate with 
summer holidays. Yeah. So of course. When you go there, you're like, oh, I just wish I was in a shirt and some shorts right now. I was like kicking back and like. It's a it's, a, it's that bit of nostalgia, you know. Nostalgia, indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Nostos. I'm telling indeed. you. Go to any exotic restaurants. It's contagious. <laughs> But like when we went to like the you know the Athenian, yeah, that I kind of liked having that in the cold because we had the out, that outside, and we were looking out over the harbour, weren't we? Yeah, it was very nice. I, yeah, 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 I'd say so. Mm. I mean, obviously we don't have enough funding to eat at each of these cuisines in each individual country. But <laughs> that would be a whole, that should be a whole nother a whole nother series. We just go to every country that we that we eat at here and then rate it. Uh, burst fund us, but yeah, burst yeah. Where's the funds at? Because that'd be great. But as uh, the Athenian, and we were outside, obviously eating. I think that was maybe because it was quite early October and it hadn't really hit the winter. Maybe. Yeah, true. To be fair, we've been blessed. Don't know about you guys listening in, but we've been blessed with the, the northerners. <laughs> with the with the weather down here in Bristol. So, like yeah. that crisp blue sky. I know. It's year. It's year, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some would say. Yeah. But uh I was in London for about three or four weeks in Christmas and I experienced more rain there than I have in the two towns I've had here. Two and a half times I've had here. In London? Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. In I've London, never... it rained more than I was here in Bristol. Bullsh... Bull... Bull... Pocky. <laughs> <laughs> rained so much in Bristol. For yeah. sure. Yeah, last time. Remember, like, any time we go outside, we'd be, like, chucked with rain. Maybe I didn't go outside. <laughs> Maybe that's the Is thing. Is that the thing? Maybe you just stayed inside and... <laughs> Didn't even open your curtains to see that we're chucking, chucking it down. Teleport, bro. What? Brian, teleport. You know, I don't do that. But pressing on, Sergio's. I think it was a very nice dining experience. It was, and uh, I like the cheese on the pizza as well. It slid down my gullet very nicely. (laughs) We were very hungry when we ate this pizza. Exactly, that should be said. I don't exactly. think we we weren't in for Sergio's for even like that long. We were probably in there for about half an hour because it was quite quick service. And... I know. But yeah, no. I think the only recommend recommendation we can make is that you should go in the evening rather than in the day. Despite it being nice that we had quick service. Yes. With those sort of restaurants where yeah. atmosphere is really important. Exactly. Go in the evening. I think yeah. And if you can, you know, hold yourself back so much, I'd say go in the evening on a summer's night. Honestly. On a summer's night. If you yeah. have that if you have that beautiful opportunity to do that, you should definitely do that. Just seize it. Because you can have a good meal, warm environment, even eat outside, and you can go for a walk in the, you know, adjacent parts which are everywhere. You yeah. have College Green, you have Brandon's, uh, Brandon Hills Park, I think. Or just Harborside. Like, Harborside as well. I mean, Harborside's probably as great as it gets when it comes to seeing, like, the heart of Bristol. Definitely. Because you have that mar- you have the Christmas market. Yeah. Well, when is Christmas? Oh, but you still have that market. 
um, that leads up to V shape. Yeah. And then across the pond, you have Wapping Wharf, and then you have St Nicholas's Market. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, I think we 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 do sort of underestimate how like we are with proximity. Uh, how we can like if we were doing this if we were doing this podcast the same th- exact thing. We were in so- Stokes Bishop. It would be so much harder. Oh, to yeah, do. it would be arduous. Like yeah, it'd be, it'd such, be a, such a such a strain. <laughs> such a slap. But with Sergio's, we thoroughly enjoyed it. Obviously, yeah. We wouldn't be talking to you about it today if yeah. we didn't. <laughs> we wouldn't have chosen it for you guys if we didn't like it. Anyway, exactly. But coronavirus, talk to me. <laughs> talk to me. <laughs> Hey, what about the Coronas? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah. So well, I, we were just talking about yeah. the... I think so the I'm most ha- interesting thing is the doctor thing. The whistleblower. The whistle... Well, yeah, but how can you how can you call someone who's talking about a virus that could potentially wipe out a large majority of your country's population and silence him? Like, and say... Like, he's, he's you know, he's an expert in that field of infectious diseases... And yeah. you're saying, stop talking about this. He, because, what, because... It's ludicrous, really. Like, yeah. You know, so you know the SARS virus? Yeah, oh, yes. Exactly, so, so he, he was, you know, brilliant. He recognised these SARS-like um, symptoms, not, not, not necessarily symptoms, but SARS-like trend in, um, in the coronavirus spread. Really? So he, he noticed all these patients coming in with these exact same things and yeah. it was in really quick succession. Yeah. And he was like, oh, it's kind of like SARS. Yeah. And he said something. And he was like, yeah, I think we have a, uh, we have a new pandemic on our hands. Maybe. <laughs> and then the Chinese government obviously silenced him and was like, now he's dead because of the virus that he... It kind of sucks, doesn't it? Yeah. Because the coronavirus, the outbreak started in December, imagine. And yeah. only coming... It only came into fruition maybe late January, early February. Yeah. But it's so crazy how in December, that's when people in Wuhan were starting to discover about it. Yeah. But the media takes so long to actually kind of... But it wasn't the media. In this instance, it wasn't the media. Really? It was, yeah, no, it was suppression by the Chinese government to not let the media know yeah, yeah. okay yeah no well, just... i can agree with you on that yeah, way okay. yes of course they can yeah because obviously journalists were restricted while they were in china yeah trying to vision trying to visit yeah obviously wuhan and exterior or adjacent places and they couldn't do it very easily but that's <laughs> that's like with something like a virus or a pandemic of course you should you ha- you should have a responsibility as a government to not let things that can affect the globe, not just your country, the globe. Yeah. To let everyone know about that, you should you should be trying as hard as you can to let everyone know about potential outbreaks within your own country, and it is so unjustified and, quite frankly, like backward to. It's not fair. It's not fair at all, is it? It's not fair. It's not fair. Because I saw maybe two days ago, uh, the outbreak was over 450 cases and there had been 493 deaths. 
but 491 of the deaths were in China. One was in Hong Kong and one was in Philippines. Philippines, yeah. Philippines. So there'd been reported cases all over the world. Mm. But obviously, if you were to scroll on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, you'd see two cases in the UK, maybe one in York University, which I yeah. kind of saw. And you, you obviously freak out, but at the same time, how many, how many pandemics have we had in our time? From swine flu to, well, obviously not Sw- in the UK, flu, Ebola. SARS. SARS. Ebola. Ebola. The thing is, so it's just how, what, what, what level do you have to be to actually take a disease seriously, which is quite scary. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's, it's because I think what's important is having people in positions to recognize when a disease can be a pandemic. Yeah. So flu-like diseases are the one, are the ones that are going to be pandemics, the ones that can be, um, you know, caught by someone sneezing or breathing the same air as you. Um, but yeah, having experts it, with a degree of freedom and funding, yeah. most importantly, to try and combat these specific infectious diseases is the most important thing. And anything to suppress that is is silly. Just completely silly, because because infectious disease experts now they don't say, oh, um, like will another pandemic happen? They don't say that. They say when is the next pandemic going to happen? Because obviously an epidemic evolves into a pandemic, right? Well, actually, I don't know. Is which way is it? Is it pandemic? No, yeah, yeah. An epidemic evolves into a pandemic. So right, an epidemic okay. is classed as an outbreak of disease, which has like happened maybe in maybe three weeks, a month. Right. And it's really affected the region. But then a pandemic is more global scale, if that makes sense. Okay, so something like the like Spanish like flu or the influenza virus. Yes. That exactly. was a pandemic, that wasn't an epidemic, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. but like, an epidemic can be in a certain place before it's contained. Yeah. And, personally, I find it really unfair, because, what, what was it in Wuhan, uh, people had been infected by the disease, Yeah. but by the time they quarantined it, like, five million people had left or something like that. Yeah, I'm, no, not, I'm know, not sure yeah. about the stats. It, yeah, so it's five, it that, is five million. But five, yeah, all right, five million yeah, people yeah. had already left yeah. Wuhan by that time. It was like, you're kind of... Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the terrifying things about coronavirus. Not to scaremonger, because, you know, we're not, we're, not, we're not the media. We're not going to scaremonger. But like, <laughs> but, like, coronavirus is, uh, when it's in its um, what, incubant, incubant state. Yeah. You don't show any symptoms for it. So you don't show symptoms for the first two to seven days. But you already have the virus. Exactly. And I was uh, reading about this, uh, the Black Death. Not saying any similarities, (laughs) but uh, the Black Death took one to seven days to sit in. Mm. And you could go to bed and wake uh, wake up dead. Or you could like take up to four to five to six days, seven days. Yeah. Which is quite, you know, 
I'd I love it. What like, a gnarly time to live in. Ex- oh, what, a, what a gnarly time. The 12th century. No, the 14th century. Just imagine. Are you mad? Yeah, literally. Like, did, have you seen uh, <laughs> the Plague Doctors? Photos of the Plague Doctors? Yeah, they're kind of sick. Like, they're they're kind of cool. Like a beat and everything. <laughs> yeah, no, they're kind of cool. <laughs> and they're like working with like the minimal amount of ingredients to cure. They're human. not curing anyone. <laughs> They're literally curing no one. So uh, I was reading a text in a book and it said that one of the plague doctors, some of the plague doctors would just be maybe junior doctors compared to now. Mm. And they'd just be trying to make their way in the business. So they people would k- be killed or die, not be killed, but die unintentionally from their mishaps trying to find a cure. Yeah, no, yeah. For the bubonic plague. Yeah. And it's kind of sick how they would be testing it out and it would be an actual person's life in danger and obviously he'd be he or she would be deceased but it was very high professionals who would cure maybe the elite but then the startup doctors who would go around obviously trying to collect information Mm. data and all that stuff and who are probably people, carrying the virus themselves to be honest I'm telling you a lot of people <laughs> would die on the way yeah you know like they would the, the whole collect your dead thing you yeah. know you, you, uh-huh. you know that like Monty <laughs> Python yeah yeah like bring out your dead that thing like, that happened like people would literally chuck their, their dead into the road which obviously just made things ten times worse for them um but uh, isn't that like the thing with kind of emotional stability or like having a grip on death because I feel as a few centuries ago people obviously you know mourned and such but they were able to get over death easier than people in our generations because we have medicine we have things that can make you get better but back in the day they'd have the gout and they'd somehow die from that but Obviously, it was a compliment to have the gout because yeah. it was means that you're very wealthy, you're living well, but you couldn't cure either, so you die kind of a image, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, it's interesting. Like, cultural perceptions of death vary so much. Yeah. Especially over time. Like, the acceptance that death surrounds you in, say, like, medieval society was just that's just that's just something that lives with you you know oh did you hear that he died he was only 16 but he died and it's not it's not gonna shock you is it exactly because there's such a they can die they'll die probably of disease yeah i mean that's the most common thing yeah but it can be anything if you get a wound if you like scratch yourself plowing a field and then it gets infected then you're gonna die but it's just sort of that weird like not weird actually that sort of like culture of surrounding death just varies so much to how we see death now I kind of want to we, yeah, I, yeah I think that, I think that would be an okay. interesting thing to so obviously about. there was a few stabbings on Stratton High Street the other day just one I think just one person got stabbed one actually. person got stabbed yeah I mean, she's alive she's alive and well uh, yep Are you sh- yeah I, no, I think, she's alive no yeah I know but then uh, I, I think it was a few people was it so there was one person who got stabbed who went to hospital but then he's finally uh, cleared and then there was another one who had minor injury minor injuries as well but right. the, the man was wielding a machete of some sort when, and 
Yeah, sorry, yeah, go on. And it's really terrible because I used to walk down that street Mm. all the time when I used to live in Shretton. Me and my friends would walk down to go. Yeah, I used to live in Shretton actually. And uh, the boots where the guy was shot outside was about three or four shops down from the charity shop that I volunteered at for DOV, which was just hit different because. I'd walk, I could take the 315 or the 118 to Stratham. Was it on Stratham High Street? Stratham High Street, yeah. exactly. And Sorry, I used to work at the, literally the charity shop and four, oh, down, yeah. four doors down, like someone got shot by undercover police. So horrible. Of course it is. Like, so you know, so you know how it played out? So he entered the shop and he bought a knife. He bought the knife that he did the stabbings with. In a shop. No way. And Seriously. there was a woman in the shop behind him. Yeah. So the guy bought that. He asked the knife. He got the knife. Yeah. He ran out the shop. Yeah. He came back into the shop. Stabbed the woman. He was trying to get the plastic off the knife though. Yeah. So he was still trying to get the plastic off the knife. And then he just stabbed the woman with the plastic still on the knife. Could have saved, saved a life. Christ above. Um... But yeah, and then he went out to the street and did um, more stabbings. Yeah. What's great is that the police were there very, very quickly after it happened, which I think, I mean, got hats off, like, especially after the London Bridge attack, where the police were there within a fucking instant. I know, tragically, two people lost their lives, but still, the fact that they were there so quickly and dealt with it. But personally, would you say there's a correlation between, you know previous ex-cons being released so recently and committing <coughs> atrocities so like close to the day that they were released because obviously this guy was re- released a week before in January yeah a week or two weeks yeah. and the same with the London Bridge stabbings uh, the guy was released very soon after yeah he stabbed somebody do you think there's a correlation between or do you think there should be like maybe a rehab I just to like get them into normal life and I think there's a it's 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 so difficult it's so hard because to judge because one thing we have laws in in place that mean you cannot you know you cannot keep someone in prison forever if you suspect them that they if you suspect that they might have once considered carrying out a terrorist incident so that means that people get released despite having terrorist-like tendencies before. But it's just, there's probably a genuine problem with the manners of re- rehabilitation within, like, you know, the British prison system. Which probably, they need, like, obviously they need to be addressed, but I understand that is a really n- niche and nuanced topic that isn't so, you can't just say, okay, he said that he wanted to do a terrorist incident once so therefore he'll stay in prison forever you can't do that that's just like yeah yeah that's not legal under our laws <laughs> if we were to make it legal then you'd have a serious you might have a serious question of you know how like you know human freedom human freedom in itself like how can you say that someone will never change their mind you know yes it's hard I understand like, it's hard, yeah. Of course, like, if anyone could tell the future, or could 
somehow make a programming device to yeah understand predictability <laughs> do you like would you say that do you think it's like more to do with genuine problems with mental illness for example rather than problems with the rehabilitation system so i feel as if different countries in the world can't really deal with uh, mental disabilities or issues you think so maybe second third third world countries would be like if you were to be depressed or something mm. they wouldn't really know sh- they wouldn't really like encapture it as a problem they'd be like I oh, just deal with it you know mm. but maybe in you know p- p- places like the UK especially UK unis they'd be like if you're depressed take your time off we'll give you mitigation all those things mm. but in other places they just don't really you know just notice it they're just I like think, I think it's, everyone a, it's a goes, different culture around yeah, it yeah, yeah and they just feel as if everyone goes through shit and you should just learn to deal with it but then in the UK or other places in the world I'm not so sure but maybe UK universities mm. it's very cushioned and I love I love Bristol for the fact Wait, that you say Christian uh, no cushioned 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 so I love Bristol for the fact that they have so many resources for obviously mental disabilities mental mishaps right. and those things but all over the world universities and just areas don't have that like clinics and hospitals just for people who are struggling like yeah. that but I mean, Bristol gets a Bristol gets a lot of flack for its mental health services. Of course, like that's like, like yeah, a very very high. But you're right. You're you are right. Like it is sort of a matter of how it's dealt with on a, on a social like a societal level. Exactly. Like it just completely depends. Because you look at um, some of the people, well, scientists. I'm not sure what branch of science they're into, but some scientists uh, look into like the DNA and like the structural history of the crane uh, the, the brain mm. for like large dictators and it's like they have psychopathic traits yeah or, like, they read it? it like Mussolini yeah. and stuff and it's like if you could have seen from a boy and all that <laughs> this shaped him and shaped him and shaped into this and yeah like when they were growing up it was just like normal as like someone would be the leader but you wouldn't know someone would cause genocide as well. And they had so, those like, traits. Yeah, yeah. Where's, you know, the, where's the tipping point? Exactly. Eh? They yeah. had those traits early on. But, you know, some countries just don't have that. And that's why from Hitler, Mussolini to... To the guy in strap. You don't know. You cannot predict what someone is I going mean, like, to do. What do you mean? Like, expelled all of, you know... Asians like Indians, was and he Pakistanis, the, was he the Ugandan, Ugandan, the Ugandan yeah, guy. Yeah. He had the film about him. Last yeah, yeah, last in Scotland. Really good film. It is. It? Yeah, Great of film. course. But like he expelled all the uh, Indians and Asians and Pakistanis from Uganda, and he put all the disability people into crocodile-filled lakes and stuff just to cleanse the oh, city. What the fuck? Are you serious? Yeah, 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 definitely. No, that wasn't in the film. And imagine this is like 30 to 40 years after the Holocaust. I generally do feel I generally do feel like people are born with just a a tendency unempathetic 
view. Yeah, I like, think yeah. I mean, we could, we probably might, probably need to save it for another episode. Yeah, of course. However, it is, it, that is an interesting aspect of, you know, human psychology. How much is it born out of environment and how much is it born out of genuine genetic differences or like physiological differences what, in your brain? I actually like that, yeah. Yeah. I, I really do like that. We'll save that for another rep. But I, I think we got to wrap it up. Listen, <laughs> got to wrap it up there, James. Yes, please. Right. All right, then, guys. Obviously, uh, sorry for our last episode, which we had to find again because it was collecting dust, but we lost it somewhere. <laughs> yeah, the data was somewhat. So we didn't lose it somewhere. physically. We lost it virtually. V- but virtually. <laughs> don't know if you tech heads out there will know about that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a virtual world out there. But like, obviously, it's lovely listening to you hearing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. Yeah, that, once again, thanks for your feedback. It's actually been really great. Um, we're gonna keep coming with more stuff in this new season, as it were. Yeah. Don't really know what you could call it, but be expecting some great new content. Lovely. And this was a date with Bristol. With. JJ and Jay. See you later.